This is Chris. Welcome to episode 335 of X-Lapsed, where I'm uh, recording this a little bit later in the day than I was planning to. I was actually hoping to have this episode out um, while I'm recording this on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon. I was hoping to have this episode out Monday morning, and well, that, that didn't happen, so maybe I'll just hold this one off till Tuesday morning. You see, I'm having some, I'd say technical issues. I guess they are technically technical issues. Uh, there, it's nothing that's like inhibiting me from actually getting work done or or working on a, on any of these projects, but it's one of those things that's just annoying enough to make me want to like snap my laptop over my knee, and it's a, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of alt tabbing, you know, if I'm writing a script, if I'm doing research, if I'm writing a post, if I'm just browsing the internet, uh, you know, as a Regular old knucklehead, you know, I I use Alt-Tab a lot to bounce between windows. Well, as of uh, yesterday, I think, or maybe the day before, my left Alt button doesn't seem to work. It works sometimes, which is the annoying part. It works occasionally. Like, just long enough for me to forget that it wasn't working in the first place, and then I'll try it again, and it just, it, it won't do anything. It'll, like, just tab me somewhere. It won't switch screens. It won't flip windows. It's... It, it's, it is so aggravating So, um, yeah, that's that's why this one's a little bit later than usual Like I said, it's nothing that's precluding me from actually working It's just uh, frustration and aggravation And um, fearing that I will actually break this laptop So um, hopefully I'll be able to get used to going to the right alt button to do it, Which is very, very uncomfortable It almost feels inhuman to do it that way But... Uh, I'll get used to it. Hopefully it'll just work itself out. Maybe I need to update a driver. I tried updating drivers. If anybody out there has had a similar problem, please let me know what you did to fix it, uh, up to and including snapping the laptop over your knee. But anyway, now that I'm already lathered up, um, let's talk about the X-Men. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about X-Men Volume 6, Number 9 today. This had a May 2022 cover date. The story's called The Rule of Three, written by Jerry Duggan with art by C.F. Via. Colors, Marty Gracia, letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles, designs, Tom Muller, edits, Amaro White, Zabolski, cover price $4. This one went on sale March the 2nd of 2022. And we open with, hey, the rule of three, uh, the three ruling councils that pop up in our books. They are the Quiet Council of Krakoa, the Orcus Goofs on Phobos, and the Great Ring of Rocco. Now, first, we focus in on Krakoa here. So we've got Xavier putting a declaration of war against Orcus on the table. Call Me Kate is there to um, sarcastically remark about, you know, declaring a quote-unquote secret war against Orcus. But, like, 
haven't they already been in conflict since Hoxpox? I mean, it seems that ship done sailed, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Sebastian Shaw, he's down with it. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. Human, mutant, whatever. You know, just let's fight. Uh, Emma is a little bit more reserved, which feels maybe a smidge out of character for her. Though, I suppose, in light of everything she's learned during Inferno, maybe she's uh, waiting to read the room a little bit before opining, you know, publicly. A Colossus suggests that they just let X-Force deal with it, which <laughs> isn't the worst idea. A Kurt thinks that anything that may cause death is a bad idea. Magneto tells everybody that he eats his meat rare, so cool story. From here, we pop over to Phobos, where Dr. Stasis holds court over, you know, some Orkins. Uh, Killian Devo, Nimrod, and our favorite turncoat, Abigail Brand, are there. Now, he drops a little bit of exposition on what went down with MODOK and the X-Men last issue, and he suggests that an organism designed only for killing might be a great ally. And so, they maybe ought to bust him out of the clink. And so, that's exactly what they do. Oh, by the way, uh, Stasis does say that Modoc is a post-human. And uh, during the pre-heist chat, Devo mentions that the sociology and modeling department was counting on the news of mutant resurrection being spilled by Ben Urich to uh, cause mass panic by now. Now, we know that didn't come to pass, and we also know why. During the prison break, we get some uh, Duggan-esque comedy, where uh, Stasis tries to figure out how to best address Modoc. Is it Mr. Modoc, Dr. Modoc, Professor Modoc? At least it was kept a one-word balloon. Um, now, once sprung, Modoc agrees to sign on and work with Orcus. From here, we hop to an info page, which uh, illustrates the Orcus Protocol's duty chart. And uh, if you remember this, it looks kind of like a flower. So you have like a central core there with petals coming off of it, and each petal represents a department. And we've got the direct strategies here. Uh, one, research and development, headed up by Aaliyah Greger. Two, infrastructure and influence. Now that one's headed up by Abigail Brand, who replaces Henry Peter Gyrick, who we saw perish in Sword Number 11. Three, operations and offense is Fei Long, who I'm pretty sure I heard also recently bought Twitter. Maybe? I don't know. Uh, four, culture and narrative by Redacted. Five, sociology and modeling, also Redacted. Six, human slash resources is headed up by Dr. Stasis, and they all emerge from the central column, which is headed up by Killian Devo. Double page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Professor X, uh, ro- Rogue? Rogue's in this book? Huh. Uh, Gambit? Uh, S- Sunfire? Sunfire's in this book? Yeah, could have fooled me. Uh, Storm? Iska the Unbeaten? Tarn the Uncaring? Destiny? Dr. Stasis? Nimrod? And Modok? Back to comics, and we shove off to Arako for a meeting of the Great Ring. And for, uh, some reason, the item on the table today is, uh, whether or not the Iraqi should leave and head back to Amenth? Uh, that's kind of out of nowhere, isn't it? Uh, it's a moot point, uh, I guess, because the vote is a stalemate. Storm does get a second vote, though, as regent, and uh, she pushes for peace. Which... I, I take to mean they stay on Mars and not go back to Amenth? I mean, this is like holding a vote for, like, hey, what's your favorite color? And then, you know, casting your vote for dog. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to assume that it means they're going to stay on Mars. Um, now, in a neat bit, uh, Iska, she abstains from voting, which stands to reason since she's unbeaten. 
And so you'd figure whatever side she chooses will, uh, you know, win. Uh, we're reminded here that Red Root is still in a jar at uh, Mad Jim Jasper's Crooked Market in uh, Otherworld, which, that's uh, not a good sign if you ask me. I, I wasn't asking for a callback to anything in Otherworld. Uh, were you? Hmm. Uh, from here, we shift scenes to Obletus? Obletus. I don't know how to say that word, but it's a space station. And it's from, I want to say, Jerry Duggan's run on Nova back during one of the three or four Marvel Nows we had. Anyway, we got Rogue and Gambit. They're entering through a gateway, and they bear the gift of donuts. I tell you, way to be, guys, because that's all anybody would need to get an invite into my home. Also, uh, hey, you know, it's worth noting, Rogue is showing up in her own book. So, way to go, creative. Uh, Anyway, they're here to interrogate the folks here to try and get some information about Game World? We're still doing Game World, then? I thought that was done. I suppose not. Now, Destiny, she's also here, and we learn that she's not the biggest Gambit fan. She considers him the embodiment of everything she hates. Now, as such, she's not all that keen on him being married to her daughter. Irene asks Rogue to leave the X-Men and return to Krakoa, as she and her other mother, Mystique, are going to need her for what's about to come. And also, maybe you'll actually show up more than once a year. Hmm... Uh, It's worth noting here, Destiny, throughout this entire scene, doesn't really feel like Destiny. Um, I I guess maybe it stands to reason since she was, you know, dead for a very long time, and now she's back in a younger, like a more youthful body. Maybe it's a... I don't know. Anyway, a fight breaks out over Remy's cool trench coat, and before we know it, we're in a full-blown fracas. Now, after about 75 pages of fighting, Rogue and Gambit win. And Destiny once again tells Remy how much she hates him, and this time, she comically pretends to strangle him. Uh, like I said, this doesn't feel like Destiny, but maybe that panel will get like retweeted or Instagrammed a few times. I mean, that's all that matters anymore, right? Um, hey, you know what? Maybe she's been dipping into Mr. Sinister's sassy stash. He's probably got, you know, buckets of it just laying around Krakoa. From here, it's an info page, and it's the result of the Quiet Council's vote, and we find out it was lobbied for by Captain Commander Bishop. Now, three voted for the measure of declaring war on Orcus, and those were Shaw, Exodus, and Magneto. Those opposed included Call Me Kate, Emma, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Storm, who apparently made it to both meetings being held? Okay. There were four abstentions here, uh, Sinister, Mystique, Destiny, and Xavier. Back to comics, back to Mars Araco, where Storm meets up with Sunfire. So, as I mentioned, Rogue and Sunfire? Are we sure this is an issue of current year X-Men? I don't know. Anyway, Shiro is here building a house. And the Iraqi are not all that cool about this, and they've been routinely challenging him. And so he kills them. Every time they come, he kills them. (laughs) Okay. He tells Storm of his plan to continue traveling through space... And I don't know if this means that he's quitting the team, uh, though, I mean, that is, after all, what he seems to do best, right? Uh, Quitting the team. He then walks her over to a Mizunara oak sapling that he brought to Mars from Japan, which the island, planet, whatever of Arako seems to have given special consideration. You see, the tree has a face on it. And I think the face belongs to Redroot. Um, Now, Storm takes this as a request for help. And so, don't look now, but uh, does this mean we're back to doing Otherworld in multiple books again? 
Oh, boy, I hope not. Anyway, that's where we leave it. Next time out, we're talking X-Deaths number four. But let's see if we can uh, gather our thoughts on this issue. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a very repetitive individual, but uh, <laughs> you know it's bad when I start to, like, get annoyed that I'm repeating myself over and over. I've said this before. I'm sure I'll say this again. We're talking about X-Men, and um, this is the flagship book, and it feels like it's stuck between eras of X. It's not quite Reign Of anymore, but it's not yet Destiny Of, right? And for that, in my opinion, it suffers. You know, it belongs to neither era, and it's just kind of there. And I mean, from the jump, this hasn't been the most intriguing book. You know, it's the book that's supposed to be centered around a dedicated cast, many of whom barely even show up in it. And, I mean, it's also supposed to be like the off-Krakoa book. You know, this is the, the X-Men in the real world as liaisons. You know, they're, they're not on Krakoa. But we're on Krakoa pretty much every issue. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's really hard to hold that against the book here. I, in my time as a, as a fan of the X-Men, there have been, you know, initiatives to differentiate the books and differentiate the teams or, or make something uh, a specialty of a certain team. You know, back in 91, we had the split from, you know, in the blue and gold and within months, you know, the people were showing up on the wrong team and just, it was very, very convenience-based, you know. Uh, we had X-Force launched as the proactive team. You know, they weren't just going to wait around for bad stuff to happen until... You know, six or seven issues later when that's exactly what they started to do. And I mean, part of me gets it. You know, you're juggling a lot of properties, a lot of characters, a lot of teams, a lot of storylines. And it's, that's, that's not an easy thing to do, I'd imagine. You know, um, if you're trying to keep everything kind of fluid and cohesive, I feel like books are going to lose their individual identity and adopt the more collective identity of whatever the whatever the line is thrusting toward, right? And so I kind of feel like this book is a victim of that sort of a thing. It's also, like I've said before, and I'm sure I'll say again, a victim of very, very poor timing. You know, it was announced coming out of the Hellfire Gala, we were going to hit the ground running, and then, well, the head of X decides to leave. <laughs> and so we got all this deck chair rearrangement of the X line, Books were canceled, books were replaced, books were launched. It was kind of a weird time. A lot of water treading, a lot of uh, nonsense, even a hiatus or two. You know, it was uh, a lot of plates spinning at once. Speaking of which, if we look at just this book, it's juggling plots about Orcus, Game World, Arako, Amenth, Otherworld, Modok, Captain Krakoa, and we barely even have a team. And what's more, we're about to jump into, you know, AXE, Axe, you know, Judgment Day. That's a lot of stuff to drop on this one book to try to, you know, tote around. Um, you know, when you try to do everything, when you try to be everything to everybody, uh, you will disappoint everybody. Um, you know, I mean, I'm on a different playing field than actual professionals here, but... You know, I'm mostly a one-man operation here, and I try to do as much as I can with this hobby. And when you do that, rather than focusing on one thing and doing it to the best of your abilities, you try to do it all, and you wind up falling short on everything, you know? So I feel like this book needs to 
establish an identity. I mean, we have a mission statement for it, but it's a flimsy one at best, at least in my opinion. I mean, maybe other people are getting this differently than I am, or receiving it differently than I am. But I feel like this book is lacking in an identity. And as such, it's also lacking in a reason to exist. I don't know what its reason to exist is. I could not tell you, and that's kind of a problem. Now, one of the things we've brought up plenty of times during the run of, uh, of X-Lapsed is how certain books have a reason to exist. And those are the ones that usually get canceled, right? Uh, the ones that are kind of niche, you know. We're going to explore society in this book. We're going to do private investigation in this book. All the books that ha- we're going we're gonna to redeem, you know, the, the problematic mutants in this book. All the ones that are different enough to have a reason to exist are the ones that just kind of just sit and rot on the shelves, unfortunately, right? You know, this, this book here, it's starting to remind me a little bit of uh, Asto- the Astonishing Era, or at least my remembrance of it. You know, Whedon's Astonishing X-Men back, what was it, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, because it took him, you know, seven years to write, you know, 20 issues. Um, now, that was supposed to be the flagship, kind of like this book is. You know, the straw that stirs the drink, right? But it was so far gone from the rest of the line that, well, the rest of the line pretty much had no choice but to ignore it and do their own thing. Maybe this isn't quite as disjointed as that, but I'm getting, you know, pangs of it. Maybe I'm not explaining that to the best of my ability. I'm finding that the more I talk and the more I write, the less connected I am with the English language. I think I'm I'm becoming more worser than I ever was good before. I, I've lost so much. <laughs> I'm like five steps behind where I used to be with my vocabulary and, and diction, which was bad in the first place. So now it's just a uh, big-time mess. So hopefully I explained it to where it almost makes sense. Um, but to circle back and like sum things up here, uh, the book, in my opinion, has... Very little identity, and very little reason to exist. And as mentioned in pretty much every other discussion we've had about this volume to this point, it has no heart or soul either. You know, I, I've compared it pretty much every time out to Morrison's JLA, a run that I wanted to love with all these characters I enjoyed on it that when I actually sat down to read it, it felt so empty, you know? It's just a very unsatisfying experience. Uh, JLA and this book. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I came away from an issue of X-Men feeling like I'd actually gotten anything from it. Um, I guess uh, at least Duggan remembered that Rogue and Sunfire fall under his purview for now. I guess. And the art was nice. The art was nice. I'll give them that as well. But other than that, this feels like just a uh, stopgap on our way to um, Destiny of X. And hopefully at that point... You know, everything will be firing on all cylinders. Uh, I'm optimistic that that we're kind of just in a weird, muddy area right now. And I mean, you guys know me and my opinion. I usually think my opinion is wrong. But right or wrong, you guys know I'm not going to lie to you. You know, if I feel a certain way about a book, I'm going to tell you. Um, I've got nothing to gain. I don't want to be Jerry Duggan's best friend. I don't want to be invited to the Marvel barbecue. (laughs) I don't want any free stuff. I'm just calling it as I see it. Um, Right or wrong, good or bad, I I don't want to be negative. (laughs) I dedicate so much of my my free time to these projects that I don't want to... I'm not a fan of hate reading. You know, I'm not a fan of hate following certain people online. I, I don't want to... Life's too short. 
right? And free time is so so scarce. Uh, there's no reason to surround yourself in stuff that you don't uh, you don't at least want to enjoy. It actually reminds me a little bit. It's a little bit of a tangent, but uh, a friend of mine he, he knows how I feel about uh, reviews and review scores especially. And uh, he sent me a link to a review about, uh, actually about a book we're going to be discussing in a couple of episodes time, where uh, the reviewer said it had an extremely thin story, and then rated it 9 out of 10. It's my hope that you all see me as being maybe a little bit more honest and genuine than, uh, than that. And whether or not you do, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to reach out and say hello. You could find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, on Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com, where we just wrapped up the X-Men vignette series, uh, taking a look at all the uh, backup stories in uh, classic X-Men from the uh, 1986 to 1990 those ran. And now I'm doing a blind reading project here, uh, reading a, a series that I'd never actually read before. And as a, you know, fake-ass comics and ex-historian, I figured I had to write that wrong. And I, I thought it'd be fun to do it on the site and take along anybody who wants to uh, come with. And uh, that is the Dazzler series that launched uh, in 1981, uh, Marvel's first foray into direct market exclusivity. It's been a fun time so far. We're only a few uh, installments in, but so far, so good. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, chrisisoninfiniteearth.com has it all waiting for you right now. We'd also love for you to join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. For the complete audio archive, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere the internet aggregates noise. Finally, there is the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash xlapsed. Where, as I, as I mentioned a, a little while ago, you know, you try to do too much, you wind up failing at everything. So I, I feel like I am really, really failing the, uh, the, the wonderful and supportive patrons. And I, I want to apologize for that and uh, say that I will do better. But your support means the absolute world to me. So thank you all so, so much. But I think that's where we're going to leave it for today. I want to thank you all so much for choosing to share your time with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.